When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is Football Social Daily. With only four days left until the end of the season, everyone is waiting on those intense final fixtures of the campaign. While many have already found their final place in the table, there's still one team fighting for a spot in the top four. Manchester United play Chelsea at Old Trafford tonight and with one point between them and Champions League football, will the Blues step up after a shocking season to stop the Red Devils in their tracks? Some teams may still be fighting, but Brighton and their fans are already celebrating with the Europa League spot confirmed after last night's draw with Manchester City. Yesterday we talked about Arna Slot potentially becoming Spurs' new boss, but he's pledged his future to current club Feyenoord. How big a blow is this to Tottenham? Does anyone want to be their manager? Also, we pick our Premier League team of the season. We'll be the managers for the day. Who would be lining up for FSD FC if we had the choice? Welcome along to Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast tackling the top flight's biggest talking points. Make sure you hit subscribe and that way you'll never miss an episode. My name's Niall and as always, I'm joined by Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. Good morning, boys. European boys. Well, hang on, anyway, <laughs> hang on. It's not. I don't want to it's not quite confirmed yet, Joel. So you just need to be careful with your come on with your comments. I'll put everything there. I have. Exactly. There you go. Bit it's of Champions League. Tonight. I played Marley night. in with it yesterday. So tonight's the night Chelsea get their act together. <laughs> put <laughs> oh, put an absolute pumping on. Uh, you mean two-time Champions League winners Chelsea? It's three-time Champions League with Manchester United. <laughs> All right, we'll wait and see, and we will talk about that game very, very shortly. Uh, but the first thing we're going to talk about is not the Champions League, but in fact the Europa League, as Brighton have qualified for that competition. Last season, they finished in the top 10 in the Premier League for the first time in their history. In fact, it was the highest they've ever finished in English football in the existence of the club. Graham Potter left earlier this season to go to Chelsea. We know that failed, but Roberto De Zerbi came in and has done an amazing job and Brighton have officially confirmed European football courtesy of that 1-1 draw against Manchester City last night. They played the Europa League music at full time after their game. I mean, it's a great achievement for the club, isn't it? Did they? I think they did, yeah. 
Everyone's like, "What's this?" Man, you don't start laughing so entirely. I don't actually know. I don't actually know what the European music sounds like. Probably because it's been eleven years since you last played it. Right, exactly. Exactly. So I forgot it. <laughs> yeah, well, they did. But Marley, to be fair to Brighton, they can have something to celebrate. Yeah, superb. I think um, every neutral wanted Brighton to get something out of the season, whether that was, uh, I mean, people were saying top four. I always said they would never get top four because they, they haven't got the consistencies to, to, to do it. But I was happy they got in the Europa. I think the Europa is right for them. I think they'd be swallowed up in the Champions League. Um, but yeah, the Europa is, is the perfect sort of building block for them. Um, even if they failed and got in the Conference League. I think they'd go and win the Conference League next year because everything's going in the right direction at Brighton. Um, and you see them now in, in the Europa League and they've got the the reward for being, you know, um, forward-thinking, planned, you know, not not uh, panicking and falling apart when Potter got poached by, by Chelsea. Um, they've already got their summer business pretty much done. I think they're signing João Pedro from Watford. Uh, Dahoud from on a free from uh, Dortmund, um, Milner coming in from Liverpool and selling McAllister to Liverpool and probably Caicedo, but they've already got the replacements for them. So, you know, they're 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 continuing to do what Brighton do, just do everything right. Uh, it'd be interesting to see them in Europe because I think the style suits Europe very well. Um, we'll see what uh, Deserbi can do. Obviously, these players that Brighton have, a lot of them are grateful to be given a chance in the Premier League and I think Brighton capitalise upon that really well I also think they're under no illusions that when bigger clubs come in you only need to look at Mark Kukurea for example and it will happen to other players that Brighton have Alexis McAllister looks like he's going to move on to Liverpool in the summer you can understand why players would want to move on from Brighton but in terms of that ability to kind of put a protective shell over the football club and keep the good players in the system, in the football club, Europa League football will go a long way to making sure that that happens in the future, Joel. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, I think um, Brighton's director, Ray Bloom, or their chief executive, Paul Barber, he did an interview just after the uh, game yesterday where they were asking him, is it quite difficult for you to have to you know, regenerate every time you have a good season or your play- players get pinched? And he said, you know, you have to accept the situation, which is that players want a better level than Brighton. That's no disrespect to Brighton, but mm. that's just the cold facts, isn't it? That, you know, players want to play for these prestigious clubs and they want to play in the Champions League. But he said the fact that we want to be there one day, but in the meantime, we know what we have to do to replace them. They have all the systems in place. They have to invest in the recruitment and that's the the way they do it. It expands the profile of Brighton and Hove Albion. Yeah put them on a European stage and everyone knows the Premier League because it has millions of eyes on it from all around the world. But when you take a club into Europe, it's that next step in terms of establishing yourself. Exactly that. And that's exactly what he said. The fact that now that everyone's going to see that Brighton's a great place to be at, they're a well-run club, they get the Premier League football, European football. It's an attractive place to go, especially when you you know you see the likes of NC. So I'm sure he had many offers from what top a Europe. goal by the way. Last I don't night. know where the hell he's come from with that right foot. By the way, when he first announced himself against Chelsea, when he scored that absolute cracker, it just seems to happen like every other. The game angle now. from behind the goal. It finished one one last night yeah. by the way against Manchester City, but the angle from behind the goal, Marley, was unreal. Mm. It looked like when he first hit it, it was going out for a corner, and then it just <laughs> kind of knuckleballs back on target and ripples the top corner unbelievable goal yeah. it's like that Alan, pa- is it Alan Partridge and he goes he's got a foot like a traction engine yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah absolutely just when he picked it up he's just like yeah so I did, I'll go on then I'll have a go and I mean Ortega goes full length and gets 
barely even in the same postcode, has it? Because it's just postage stamp top corner. Do you know what? I felt thing. a bit sorry for Ortega last night because obviously he never gets a game. Edison is first choice keeper. Pep Guardiola mm. gives him a game. And he's thinking, I've got a decent chance of keeping a clean sheet, maybe a little bonus in the wages at the end of the week. Yeah. And then he just concedes an absolute firecracker, like bullet into the top corner. You must be thinking as a keeper, what on earth is going on? <laughs> yeah, nothing you can do about those. They're, they are filed under unstoppable. I think I'd give him the clean sheet bonus just to say, you know, fair, fair enough, you were never getting that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, hell of, a, hell of a goal. No idea where he's come from. Um but that's Brighton's style. They will sign players you've never heard of. Caicedo, no one ever heard of him. Mitoma, no one ever heard of him. Even McAllister to an extent, even though he'd been on loan at Boca. Um, Estu hmm. Pignan, I know he was at Villarreal, but he was relatively unknown and he looks twice a player Cucurella ever did. So that's Brighton's blueprint. That's what everyone's everyone's looking at and going, oh, can we replicate that? And then making an absolutely terrible job of it. Yeah, everyone looks at N'Golo Conte at Leicester, don't they? They picked him up from the French second division. And he went on to become a Premier League champion, went on to win the World Cup with France and win further titles at Chelsea. But Brighton seem to have not only done that once, but done that a couple of times, find those sorts of players, those hidden gems, and they keep doing it. And they'll no doubt be doing it in the Europa League next season as well as they have qualified. However, there is a Premier League game tonight. It's Manchester United against Chelsea at Old Trafford. And Chelsea are nowhere near it. They've had a terrible, terrible season. Probably the worst Premier League season that I can remember in my lifetime as a football fan. But for Manchester United, they won't care about that. They need one more point, Joel, to qualify for the Champions League. Do you think Manchester United will get a point tonight against Chelsea? Well, judging from Chelsea's form in the last few weeks, it's like a free hit of the piñata, isn't the way (laughs) they've been playing? Um, Of course, I'm just happy that we're in this position now where a few games ago when we got beat and Liverpool were starting to gain ground. I was starting to get a little bit nervous because the form just seemed to go from top, top, top and then just capitulated. Um, but yeah, with one point in, t- in two games, it would be absolutely miraculous for us to not get it now. And like you say, I think if we weren't to get it this season, it would have affected the transfer budget so much and it would have affected next season. Let's face it, even though you are Manchester United, you still need Champions League to be make things a little bit easier for you because these days now there's so much competition. It's not like it was in 2008 where Manchester United was the place to go. There's now so many options, so many attractive options now Mm. that you actually do need it to look a little bit more of a glossier uh, project. But for Ten Hag, I'm sure if you would have asked him this, if you would have asked me this at the start of the season after the worst Premier League season we've had in our history, I would have taken it 100%. It's actually exceeded my expectations, to be honest. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Do you think this has been a successful season for Manchester United? If they do finish fourth or even third, whatever happens in the next couple of games, let's say they qualify for the Champions League, even if they lose the FA Cup final, for Eric Ten Hag to have won one trophy, got them to another Cup final, we don't know what's going to happen there yet, and finish in the Champions League places, is that considered a successful season based off of what Joel said, where Manchester United were coming from? last year yeah 100% I think I I don't know what more realistically Man United could have done they were never going to be in the title race this year um, so it's can you pick up the trophies mm. uh, and can you go far in the cups and obviously they, they won the Carabao they've, they're going to get into the Champions League by the look of things um, and they've got a chance to, to spoil the treble like if they spoil the, the treble semi-finals of Europa League as well against no, Sevilla quarter, oh yeah 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 no quarters 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 yeah um, I mean, they should have gone further, and that's the one yeah. disappointment they've had. To be fair, yeah. Um, but if you can win two domestic trophies 
and finishing the Champions League and you know beat Barcelona. I know they didn't win the competition, but beating Barcelona, who then went and walked away with the Spanish league, is is big. I think that's as as big a season as Man United could have, especially with the holes in the squad that they've still got. Mm. Um, like no centre forward and an absolute beanpole up front <laughs> of uh, Vout Carthorst, um, <laughs> completely useless. Um, but you know, there's still obvious work to be done there so they're not exactly the finished article one day we're going to leave the office and he's just going to be stood at the front door waiting to beat your head in <laughs> we'll, have him, we'll have him on an interview yeah, in there, yeah. right here's the clip that we've all been saying about yeah. you I'll wave, I'll wave yeah. him off at the airport yeah. the big lumpus there's, spuds there's no chance in 10 years if we're still doing Save this podcast that he's coming on the pod <laughs> he's coming on the pod as a guest absolutely no chance well the funny thing is he's got to go back to bloody Burnley in the summer <laughs> and that's, they don't, that's, they that's don't really want him harsh. God. Obviously, uh, it's Chelsea tonight. They've had a terrible season, Joel. You seem pretty confident that Manchester United will be able to get a result. But if you don't, then it goes down to the final day, which is also at Old Trafford, where United have been brilliant this season, you have to say. That's against Fulham, who United played in the FA Cup. And But for a bit of madness from Alexander Mitrovic, they played very, very well and could easily have won that game. So you seem quite calm and relaxed that Manchester United will be able to get the job done. Do you fear that Chelsea, after a shocking season, might just show up for once tonight? The only reason I'm calm and confident is because we've got the joint best home record in the Premier League this season. One defeat all season, which is amazing. The only team that uh, matches And that was the first day of the season. And the only team against Brighton. Mm. And the only team that matches that is Manchester City. And they're the ones who are the champions. If it was away from home, I probably would have been a little bit more nervous because the away record has been pretty abysmal this season. But to only lose one game, and like you say, the very first game where Ten Hag was walking into a bit of a fire pit, wasn't he, in terms of understanding what, who, which players he could trust, which players needed to go, which players needed to stay, I can kind of say that you know it's been a bit of a fortress and that's why I'm really confident. Obviously not to mention the fact that Chelsea look like a pile of beep, but they are <laughs> awful. Like very, very awful. Their worst Premier League season ever by a good six points if they don't win this one. Um, and that's why I'm pretty confident going into it. Okay, Manchester United play Chelsea full tonight time, at Old Trafford. Yeah, full I'll time. Take it, one, I'll one. take it. I'll take that. It'd be like full time against Leicester, nil nil on Monday. I think teams are just happy to get points at this stage of the season. A point will do it for Manchester United to get them back into the Champions League. Right, next up on Football Social Daily, we're going to discuss some of the latest transfer news and also a bit of an update on what we spoke about on yesterday's show when it comes to a potential new Tottenham manager. We'll do it after this. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast from Sports Social. Now, Tottenham Hotspur don't have a manager at the moment. It's currently Ryan Mason in temporary charge. They tried Stellini. They sat Conte. Daniel Levy over the last couple of years has employed Jose Mourinho and Nuno Espirito Santo. Simply, it hasn't worked. Yesterday on the podcast, we talked about the potential for Feyenoord manager Arna Slot to come into Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, pick up the reins and be their boss from next season onwards. Now it's been confirmed that he has pledged his future to the Dutch club, having just been crowned Eredivisie champions. He says he wants to stay and continue to build on the hard work that he's already put in. How big a blow is that for Tottenham Hotspur, Joel? I mean, we said that he was interested yesterday. There was no concrete evidence to suggest that he was ready to take the job there and then. But certainly if that's someone that was interested and is now not interested or someone who Spurs wanted, who has now pledged their future elsewhere, that's a bit disappointing, is it not? Yeah, Spurs are like the most ugly girl in the room at the moment in terms of <laughs> they're trying to get someone to manage their club. They just they're not. <laughs> wow, <laughs> Jesus! When the lads go on in a nightclub and you're just left with Spurs looking at you, <laughs> you're like, no, let's go home. <laughs> Taxi. <laughs> no, it's it, honestly that is the reality. I'm just looking at the details of it at the moment. It looks like there was a bit of an issue with the release clause that Slot has in his contract where it would have, would have cost him £5 million to take him out next season. But because it doesn't come into effect this season... Yeah. Like, Tottenham are <laughs> the ugliest girl in the room, but they're, they're banging it in elsewhere. Like with Harry Kane scoring the goals. He should, they're yeah, they, got so, they got something going for him at <laughs> least. They're sugar daddy Kane, just keeping him up there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he had, obviously has a clause in his contract which would have taken him out very easily next season for £5 million. Uh, and they made it clear that they wanted around 10 million to employ him now. They wanted an extra 5 million to employ his backroom staff. So, in total, it would have come to 15 million, which for Daniel Levy is extortionate. It's not it's pocket pretty, change, no. is it? Especially when we're talking about managers. I know players go for way, way more, 10 times more than that amount, but yeah. you're talking that is a significant portion to pay for a manager. Well, it's turning like that now. You know, you look at uh, Julian Nagelsmann, I think he'll probably cost around 15 million for any team to get him from buying because they're still paying his contract. Same with Graham Potter. I think they paid a good 20 million there to take him out of Brighton. So it seems to me like, well, Arne Schlott's come out and said that the only reason he had talks with Feyenoord yesterday was to discuss plans for next season. I think that's absolute rubbish. I think they probably discussed what's the situation with the buyout clause. They said, we want 15 million. If Spurs don't pay it, you're not going anywhere. So he said, well, I'm comfortable here. If they're not going to pay it, we'll carry on as it is. And for Spurs, it's back to the drawing board, isn't yeah. it? I really, I genuinely don't know who they can go for now, apart from Luis Enrique, who's a similar mould to uh, Conte Mourinho. And let's not forget as well, the last time he had genuine success was Barcelona because his time at Roma was a failure. Everyone forgets that I forgot that he period. was there. He was shocking. His time with the Spanish national team, okay, he got to the semis in the Euros, but that's the Spanish national team. Different tournament. You can't compare it to uh, domestic football. So I think for Tottenham, I still think and I truly believe Graham Potter's the right guy for them. I do believe if they got him, 
he would galvanise the club and make it a bit of a club again. Will there not be a sense of anxiety from Tottenham fans towards Graham Potter, not just because of the Chelsea connection, but because, Marley, the last time they went for someone who failed at Chelsea was Andre Biash-Boash, and that did not work whatsoever. But then again, whoever Daniel Levy picks at the moment just doesn't seem to be working. Yeah, exactly. So you might as well try him. <laughs> you can't, like, they keep getting everything wrong. Um so what do you do? What do you go from there? I, I don't really see a, an obvious candidate, but Potter does seem the most logical choice. I think um, he's being eyed up by uh, by teams in France, and I don't know why. I don't think you can look at Graham Potter and think about the Chelsea thing too long because the the circumstances was were so different to Brighton, where mm. everything was in place, everyone knew what they were doing, and Chelsea just complete overhaul. Was just of a Chelsea. royal rumble. Yeah, yeah, of, of, there was players everywhere. There was people coming in no um, one was running anything yeah there was there no was, staff there was no board underneath Bowley it was Bowley then nothing and then Potter having yeah. to deal with all the scenes and then you've got the owner coming into the dressing room and that's another debate that we've had but I mean Graham Potter is yeah. not the sort of manager who would be shy to take on an experience in France for example he managed in Sweden so yeah you know yeah. he's got experience of managing overseas yeah and I think that's a that'd be a loss of the Premier League if he if he went out there because I do think he'd, he'd do a good job at Spurs um, they're in a position where they probably need to improve what they've got uh, rather than go out and spend again and again because um, they, they can't keep doing that. I know they're going to get money and stuff from Kane, but they've spent loads of money on Emerson, then even more money on Pedro coming in. So they've got like two expensive right backs, right, right, right wing backs or whatever you want to call them. You know, they've got players coming back from loan. Um, I think Ndombele, does he come back? After winning did Sarriao with yeah. Napoli. <laughs> yeah. He comes back, what do you do with him? I just think they need a bit of coaching, really. Yeah. And if he can go and but it's that get his question. ideas across quickly, then, Same as yesterday. then fine. You know, you know the what the question is, not it? You know the key reason why a big manager doesn't work there is because they've been at big clubs where whoever they want in the market they get because mm. the big club can attract them. Yeah. When you've seen Conte uh, just in the January gone, he wanted um, Luis Diaz last, last January, uh, just in 2020. Two, he didn't get him. Yeah, well, Ralph Rangnick said he wanted Luis Diaz. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, he was yeah, a great player when not... he came in. The first three, four months, he was in the Premier League. He was scoring goals and looked absolutely electric. And naturally, every manager goes, "You know, well, I was interested in him because they always do." No, no, yeah. no. But it was it was reported they were in for Luis Diaz. They were literally close to getting him. And Liverpool come in and take him from him. Obviously, no big manager's going to want to be at a club where they can't get the players they want. They don't want the second, third. Well, choices. Liverpool are a bigger club than Spurs. I don't think that that is a controversial thing to say. I think Liverpool are a bigger club than Spurs. It's like, you know, yeah. Roma coming for you and then Juventus coming for you. One club is significantly bigger than the other. They're both sizable clubs, but one is bigger than the other. Well, that's, that's, the that's natural, that's isn't the it, issue for a player that... to make that choice? No, but that's the issue though, isn't it? Conte, Conte and Mourinho have gone to Tottenham thinking they can get any player they want when they can't. And that's why I think they need a manager who is accepting of that and can build young players rather than having to get the yeah. top, top targets all the time. I'm fascinated to see who Tottenham go for as their next manager, but they'll need to get someone in soon because the transfer window will be open very, very shortly. And the manager, whoever it is, will want to try and think about who they'll bring into the club. One player who's certainly catching the eye of several Premier League managers is Chelsea's Mason Mount. He's been linked with Arsenal and Manchester United and a couple of other clubs as well. Is he the sort of player, Marley, that could do a job at either of those clubs, Arsenal or Manchester United? He seems to be heavily linked with both of those teams. Mm. Chelsea may yet still offer him a new deal. He's obviously been there his 
whole career, but for a loan spell at Derby, he's won the Champions League there, he's won silverware at, well, he never seems to win at Wembley, Mason Mount, but he's, he's certainly been involved in major finals. What do you think of this in terms of a transfer? Do you think he's an underrated player who maybe could do a job for another top four team? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think he's um, he's better than sort of the social media will have you believe when, when he's starting for England and things like that. I think he, he's always rated by his managers, like tactically and and discipline-wise. He's the one who you put in your team and he can do your job in three or four different positions and, and do it really well. Um he just seems to be a bit annoyed with with what's happening at Chelsea, which is absolutely fair enough because he's looked at the situation and and gone. If I sign a new contract, um, I think he's got a year left on his deal. I think so. If I sign a new contract and we're signing all these attacking players, like where do I get in the team? Do I do I play my best football and make the most of my career here? You now they've got Nkunku coming in in the summer, which everyone forgets about to add to Pulisic. Uh, Ziyech, Hudson Adoy's coming back. You've still got. You might, they might sign Jao Felix. They might sign another striker. Mm. They've still got Conor Gallagher. Loftus Cheek's still there. There's so many players. Yeah. It's I mean, mad. will half of those players leave though? I mean, Ziyech was linked they with might the move do, away. It collapsed. Pulisic hasn't been fit enough. Yeah. And then Havertz has not been good enough through the middle. Yeah. I mean, it's, Mount has been one of their more impressive players, I think. Yeah, it's just relatively solid, but. You know, if he's available for the right price, I've seen some some crazy fees getting mm. banded around. But yeah. if he's available for the right price, he could probably do a job in in all of the other top six sides, probably okay. bar Man City. Um, As a starter, though, let's go to your team, Joel. Manchester United seems to be heavily linked with a switch to Old Trafford at the moment. Eric Ten Hag seems to know the profile of player that he wants. He pursued Anthony last summer, was relentless with that, ended up paying a hefty fee for him, but he got his man. Casemiro has come in and filled a hole. Sabitzer came in on loan, but it doesn't look like United are going to convert that to a permanent deal because of the fee that Bayern Munich are asking for. Christian Eriksen, excellent player, but maybe doesn't have the legs that he used to. In terms of where Mason Mount could fit into that Manchester United way and that midfield, do you see it working? I look at it in two different ways. Similar to how Marley's just said, I think... He is a way better player than what people say. I think everyone forgets that season that they won the Champions League. He was one of their best players by an absolute mile. One of the best players in the final yeah. as well, by yeah. the way. And the situations just made everyone forget that he's very effective. I think the way in which Ten Hag wants to play, and if ev- everyone's probably seen his Ajax teams, they're very, very dynamic, very quick off the front foot, very high pressing. And like you just said, Christian Eriksen compared to Mason Mount. Sure, Eriksen's a little bit more technical than him. But in terms of energy and in terms of press and in terms of what Ten Hag wants, I think he fits the mould well. The only thing I have an issue with is we've gone from looking at the profile of Frankie de Jong, who's press resistant, creative and can move the transition from defence to midfield to attack. I don't see Mason Mount being that kind of, that he's not that midfielder at all. So when we come up against a team who's very high pressing, we're going to have a problem again, which has been the issue this season constantly. We don't have a player who's press resistant and can dictate games from the midfield. So with a year left on his contract, if we could get him for 40 million, I think that is very, very good business. And those kind of players don't come along often, uh, especially homegrown Chelsea players. That's yeah. that's the key. He, yeah. that, that's the kind of Alex Ferguson signing. Because you he need a, a quota, yeah, don't you, of homegrown there. or English players or yeah. British or Irish players in your squad in the Premier League. And he would certainly fit that bill. Exactly. Uh, if, if, if it's talk of the other end, 70 million plus, that is a 
Ed Woodward kind of signing and that's the road we don't want to be going down and there's about a hundred other midfielders you could buy for that much that would be way more effective. Do you think the fact that Chelsea have had a bad season and Mount has not really been involved as much or hasn't played as well this season when he has played, do you think that that has reduced his value and do you think that might be of benefit to the club's interested? 100%. I think whenever a player is out of the team for a year which is pretty much what he's been. I think he's played about 12 games this season, which is ridiculous for a player that was so important to that side. Of course, their stock's going to fall dramatically, isn't it? And I think his price is going to fall dramatically. Yeah. But when, because he's English, he's always going to carry that big price tag, no matter how much of a fee. The only worry I have is if he, if Chelsea asks for 60, 70 million, what kind of knock-on effect is that going to have on Harry Kane potentially? Because if Chelsea are offering 70 million for a mount who, you know, decent quality. Harry Kane's one of the best strikers in the world with a year left on his contract. So how much will they be able to demand? Because if we pay 70 million for Mount, which you know what, it's probably likely given the way we move in the market. Daniel Levy has every single right to demand 100, 150 million easily because that that's the way, that's the yeah. relative term. So mm. yeah, for the, for the right price, yes. I hope it's with someone else because he's not the right mould to fit our midfield only as him. Okay, well, Mason Mount, who didn't make the most recent England squad, which was announced yesterday, but one man who did for the first time ever is Ebera Ezer from Crystal Palace. Marley, the young midfielder slash winger, has really impressed actually in the last few weeks, particularly since Roy Hodgson's return to Selhurst Park at the start of April. Now, we know England manager Gareth Southgate is a Crystal Palace guy. It's his club. It's a club that he still visits on the regular to watch players. Another Crystal Palace player is in the squad in Mark Gay. But Ebera Ezer, deserving of a call-up? Um, his recent form suggests, yeah. Um, you know, he's been in... He's been in good. He's one of them players where he, when he turns it on, you can't touch him. He just doesn't quite do it enough for me. Um, but when he does do it, you know, he does it as good as anyone. He's, he's dribbling and sort of directness from midfield is something that's very very hard to deal with um i think at times this season he, he sometimes goes down too easy and tries to tries to um sort of settle for free kicks rather than actually drive into the box and, and be a be a nuisance because like i said he's, he's really hard to stop when he gets going but yeah his, his form since well since Vieira went was uh has been has been top and england i don't think have too many midfielders that are um in in the best form at the minute you see who's in the squad and Gallagher and Phillips are still in there and they've barely started a game mm. well Phillips hasn't started a game I don't think yet for Man City or did he? I think he started his first one actually at the, the weekend didn't he yeah, yeah. The, the last yeah just, just look just at the English last well, like, week Dunks in Mings is back in mm. Madison's back in there would you have him ahead of Sterling because I think I don't know if Sterling's injured potentially Sterling apparently, well, apparently they, the they spoke and he's not physically in the best condition he wants to be which for me says, I know you're going to drop me, but let's... I'd rather do it myself. Let's, yeah, let's <laughs> yeah, say I'll this. I'll drop myself, yeah. 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 All right, well, Ezra's in. Good luck to him as the England squad has been announced for the qualifiers for Euro 2024, games against Malta and North Macedonia next month. That is it for this part of Football Social Daily. But next, we're going to do what everyone has waited 10 months to do, which is pick the FSD team of the season. Who should be lining up for FSD FC? According to Joel Marley and myself, find out after this. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast. Now, after 37 games, we're almost at the end of the season. And so it's time for us now to choose our Football Social Daily FC, who will be our team of the season. We've sat here so many times over the last 10 months, and it's now time to decide who is our 1-11 to for team of the season. We'll go around the table with myself, Joel and Marley, putting some names down on a sheet of paper, and then we'll come up with one solid 11 that we think deserves to be crowned team of the season i'll go to you first marley and we'll start in net who's your goalkeeper in oh, fact I don't, even caveat, need, though. I don't even need to two, ask you two players I? maximum yeah, yeah. per team yeah That's two players two players max per team that is one of the rules you're right joel but i don't really need to ask marley who you're going and for in goal yeah that does become a big uh a big blocking point for my team because about nine came from newcastle <laughs> oh, I'm sure, um I'm sure. but yeah in goal nick pope simple as that yeah i've got nick pope well, I, mean, I was struggling probably. because of that rule of only having two players from every club. I couldn't pick either Ramsdale, David De Gea or Nick Pope, so I would have had to go for someone completely left field. So I'm happy to write Nick Pope down and concede that as the goalkeeper in our team of the season. Understandable Brilliant. choice. He's conceded just 32 goals at this point, 37 games into the Premier League season. One of the tightest defences in the Premier League. Maybe a case of David De Gea, most clean sheets, but I think we're all in agreement that Nick Pope is the guy. All right, let's start in the defence. Are we playing a back four? I think we all are, aren't yeah, we? I'm, I'm, I've got a 4-2-2-2. Okay, R- Ralph oh. Rangnick over there. Uh, we'll start at right back. Because it worked really well for Rangnick. <laughs> I hope it works for me. Uh, I've gone for Trippier. I think he's just been far and wide one of the best right backs in the league. And again, I think with Newcastle, you have to pick more defensive players, not to take away from their attacking ones, but I mean, the defensive record kind of speaks for itself this season. I agree. So that's two Newcastle players in the side because Marley, even if you've gone for someone else, it's unanimous between me and Joel. I think you've gone for Trippier as well, haven't you? I have also gone for Trippier and this this team's going brilliantly so far. Very (laughs) creepily well. And also, we've only been doing this two minutes and we've agreed on two players. That's This is the way to do it. Um, (laughs) It's all downhill from here. I was lucky enough to watch Kieran Trippier against Leicester on Monday first time in the flesh this season thought he was outstanding yeah. thought he was really really impressive and you can see why he's been so good uh, for Newcastle this season right we're moving on to centre-backs now we'll go back to you Joel who's your right-sided centre-half for team of the season I've gone for Saliba oh from me Ars- too mate oh wow. have we got the same team I mean it's I think the key difference was, I wouldn't have picked him a couple of weeks ago, but after they capitulated when Rob Holding came into the defence when he got injured, I think that just said everything for me yeah. about how important he is. In Maybe it's not a coincidence that Arsenal stopped winning games when Saliba yeah, exactly. that was, my was out of the team. Yeah. Um, I've put Saliba as well. I think you have to take into consideration this is his first season in the Premier League, even though he's been at Arsenal a while. He was out on loan, so he's come in at, I think, just 21 Mm. and done an amazing, amazing job in the Arsenal defence. So, again, Marley, unfortunately for you, regardless of whoever you pick, (laughs) will be Saliba in the team. (laughs) William Saliba. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. This is boring. Everyone's listening to this going, oh, God. By the way, we've not conspired before this in life. What do you think? We don't know each other's teams, by the way. We should say this. We do not know each other's teams. Okay, Marley, this is maybe where it all unravels. (laughs) Left-sided centre-half. Right, well, originally I put Lewis Dunk, but because of the two... Great um, season, great season. Because of the two-man per team rule, um, I took him out. That means you must have a lot of Brighton players. I've got two Brighton players coming up, um, but not yet, because I've actually gone for Lisandro Martinez. 
Wow, okay. Someone yeah, who... I like it. You were part of the Jamie Carragher club at the start of the season saying that he's too short, he's going to get was found it? out in the Premier League. Absolutely. It's not like me to take the mick out of a short man. <laughs> <laughs> you said he's going to get he's found out. He's a man after out. my own heart. He's small and aggressive. <laughs> right. He's me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's erased that comment from his mind. Um, yeah, I have. Okay, Martinez. No, he's been good. He's been good. And Man United have been not as good since he got injured, so his impact, same as Saliba, has been, has been really good. Okay, Joel. I've gone for well. I've gone for Martinez as well next to Lewis Dunk, just to slide him in as a. I had to get him in Martinez and Dunk. Um, well, again. hang on, you are playing? How many centre halves have you got? Ah, but Martin, come on, he's left footed. Just let me have him in. What, I, I'm having him as left back. What Martinez yeah, left yeah. back? Well, Martinez is in the All side right, Joe, because you two have both agreed <laughs> yeah, on Martinez him. Again, I don't know what yeah. system we're playing now. I don't Joel's know. picked eleven defenders. Joel's got eight at the back. Gareth Southgate pick, on us. I had to pick. I had to put him in Martinez, like you said. Without him, we look pretty bad. Yeah. And then Lewis Dunk, one of the main reasons. I think for me, he's been the most impressive in the fact that he's adapted to De Zerbi's system so well, which I didn't think he had the capability. So have you both got Dunk as well? Did you put him in? No. You I didn't? said I was going to put Dunk in, but we're, we're picking centre-back, so I yeah. went okay, Martinez. So let's do Martinez. Okay, so so you've, you've gone Martinez as well. Martinez. You've both gone Martinez, so he's, he's in the team. Yeah, no, I went for Nathan Ake. I know he's been playing left-back for Manchester City this huh. season. I went for Nathan Ake, Fair and enough. I'll tell you why. Because I've put Luke Shaw as my choice for left back okay. and Luke Shaw has also played left centre back this season Underrated so you can either so put you've Luke gone, Shaw yeah. or Ake whichever position you want one of them is going to be is our final side. team still having to follow the rules of two max per club yeah absolutely right, I think so we're moving Shaw, on to left back now so I mean you can put Shaw in you can so put Ake in you've gone Shaw you've gone Martinez at left back well, is that right next to Dunk yeah well Martinez is in as centre back he's in so it doesn't matter what right, position so he's in so we'll have to decide on the left Back. But in your in your actual team, you put Martinez left back, where he's not played all season yeah, for Man U. Yeah, alright, just let's <laughs> call it the Pep system. Someone always does this no, every we're, year. They we're put someone. It, I've pep. got to put him in, so I've got to I've put him on the left wing. The <laughs> it was all going so he's well right, four yeah, minutes he's, ago, he's and now it's falling apart. Oh, it's all gone to <laughs> all gone to pot. Um, Go on then, Marley. Who have you put as your left back? Uh, Purvis Estupinian. Okay, I think he's been really good. And Cucurella's crap. I always said Cucurella was crap. Um, and Estupinan has, has proved that by being better than Cucurella ever was for Brighton, so he's in for me. Okay, so our choices are Ake, Estupinan, or Luke Shaw, and we're going to have to come up with an agreement between us about who we're putting as left-back. I don't think you could put Ake in because two of City's most impressive ones are coming up. I agree. So I'll leave it between you two since you two are the only ones who did a left-back. <laughs> Well, I put Luke Shaw as my left-back on my sheet. My centre-halves were Saliba, who's already in, and Ake, who's been replaced by Martinez in this accumulative team. I'll, and I'll then, give you Luke Shaw. Okay, Luke you Shaw. You can have Luke Shaw, yeah. Luke Shaw is in at left-back. So we've got our defence and our goalkeeper, Nick Pope in goal, Trippier right-back, Saliba and Martinez centre-halves with Luke Shaw left-back. That moves us on to the midfield. The Ooh, juicy part. This is going to be tasty. Shall I start with the easy one or the hard one? I think you should start with the easy one because we're all going to agree on this Kevin player. De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne is in. Don't even tell me you've not put... Who, it's who, harsh on Sean Longstaff, but yeah, I'll, have, I'll, give you, I'll give you De Bruyne. Yeah, and obviously I've gone for De the Bruyne. The 40-million man Longstaff. Yeah, he's worth it this season, Christ. Okay, but another, yeah, we'll, another uh, one that we all agree on. You which can have that. Yep. I mean, yeah, to be fair, I, I've put a, a 4-3-3 system on my sheet yeah, of my team. It's quite narrow. There's no width. We'd get absolutely belted down the flanks if we actually played this as a side. Uh, but Kevin De Bruyne is in for me. I don't think you can talk about Manchester City this season without speaking about Kevin De Bruyne because he's been incredible yet again. Uh, 16 assists, 7 goals. He's scored some massive goals both in Europe and in the Premier League. I think with I think he's the most important city, uh, sorry, important player to City's setup. You can't deny without him 
I mean, they still tick, but they're just not as potent in attack. I think Haaland wouldn't have got as many goals as he had without without De Bruyne this season. Um, and I think he's slowly starting to edge himself into one of the top three Premier League pl- midfielders of all time. Yeah, yeah. He's I up there. So. He's up there from what he's done and what he's won. And the fact he was written off at the start as well, 50 million quid and people said, it's not worth that. I mean, how much has he proved them wrong? It's unbelievable what he's achieved. Kevin De Bruyne is our first midfielder in this team of the season. Marley, give mm-hmm. us some of the other candidates. So I've gone one defensive mid and, and, and then two centres. So De Bruyne is one. Um, Odegaard is the other. I'm okay. in agreement with that. Well, I've got Odegaard in my team, but I've got him as a 10 in a 4-3-3 with two strikers. So Odegaard goes in the side, regardless whether you want him in midfield, what? What? further forward. You've got him as a 10 in a 4-3-3 with two strikers. Yeah, what so there's, there's, there's two and then one in behind. Ah, like I said, it's a I really, mean, it's a really narrow four three three. So I'd, I'd argue that's not a four three three. I don't know. I four two three one. <laughs> no, hundred percent. It's a, it's a variation of a four three three. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just really narrow. So like you, you're playing two up front with one in behind. Yeah. And then you've got sort of three in behind, not right. screening. It's like a, almost like a diamond midfield. Like it? a diamond yeah, midfield. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. what it is. So a, you've di- got a diamond midfield. I've got Odegaard at the front of the diamond. Okay. So he he's in. I think that that's. Whether he's in central midfield or whether he's in the number 10 position. He can drift. He yeah. can do what he wants. One he, of the most impressive midfielders. Yeah. I still can't believe. We've all gone for Odegaard, but he's a captain of Arsenal. Yeah. They've had an amazing season. He's still just 24 years old. He leads with the way he plays and not necessarily with his physicality or his vocals or anything like that. Frank Lampard was very similar and that's why he reminds me of Lampard. But I mean, regardless of that, he's had a great season. It still surprises me. I can still remember him going round to every single Premier League and European club when he was 16 with his dad. Mm. And every every single club in Europe were trying to sign him. And obviously he ends up at Real Madrid. He was in the Castilla team for a long time. And I was thinking, that's it for him. He's going to end up going back mm. to like, you know, going to Mulder. Or, Loads of loans as well. Yeah, and the fact that he's ended up being one of the best Premier League players this season, 15 goals, 7 assists, I think it's pretty unprecedented and the fact they paid 32 million for him. I mean, that looks like a sit now, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, well, Erdogan is in. That means we've got two of our midfield sorted, Kevin De Bruyne and the Arsenal captain. Marley, give us a third option. My third midfielder was uh, a new signing, João Palinha from Fulham. Mm. Uh, he's brilliant. I love him. I think he's he's one of them players who I would have wanted Newcastle to sign because I think we need a, an anchor man and he's, he's one of them. He's an absolute nailed on for a yellow card every week but it's because he's tackling everyone he's sliding everyone he's aggressive mm. wins the ball back so much I think he's been huge for Fulham's um, season really I think he's been as important as, as Mitrovic really um, in his uh, in his debut season so I think he was um, was he 20 something million from Sporting yeah. brilliant signing Okay, uh, so he's in mind Marley's gone for Joao Paulinha from Fulham I chose Casemiro for very similar reasons to what Marley said. He's come in, obviously, with a much higher profile than Paulinha, but he's glued that Manchester United side together. And you only need to look at their record with and without Casemiro this season to see how influential he's been. You've seen him up close and personal, Joel, being a Manchester United fan. He was one of my choices. Was he one of yours? I've gone for McAllister from Brighton. I just think after the World Cup, his game and his status is just elevated times 10. Every single thing that Brighton do goes through him. When he played against Manchester United at Wembley, he was so press resistant and so controlling in that midfield that I was just so surprised. I didn't anticipate 
the levels that he's gone on to after that World Cup. Honestly, in terms of his overall games, just in terms of his attacking, he's so potent. In terms of his defending, he's great. In terms of his passing, he's so assured. And I just think if Liverpool get him, I think it'll be a really, really smart signing. But yeah, for me, I think McAllister has to be in there. Don't think we're going to agree on a final central midfielder if we're playing three in the middle. So I think we should move on to the forward positions and then maybe rewind back to the midfield before we start descending into chaos. I've got them written down. Don't you worry. I won't be forgetting about those. Right, let's move on to forwards. And we've all chosen Erling Haaland, haven't we? Surely. Yeah. Erling Haaland's in the team. I mean, what is it? 50 goals this season, a half century for Manchester City. I thought thought you went for Weghorst. Somehow I did not go for Weghorst, yeah. Uh, So Haaland is in, potentially could be the greatest striker we've seen in the Premier League if he continues on this trajectory. I know Marley won't like me saying that as a a worshipper of Alan Shearer, who is still the record holder in terms of Premier League goals for one single player. But the, what That's Harland, him come back from two serious knee injuries before yeah. he... Uh, but what Haaland's done <laughs> at the age the, of 22, <laughs> oh, it's, it's unbelievable what he's done, Marley, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's ridiculous. He's come in as a as all sort of hype and, and everything around him and the wages and the, the price tag and what have you. Um, and he's he's surpassed that. I think people say he, sometimes he, he doesn't get involved in the game as much, but you don't need him to when he's scoring... How many, goals, how many Premier League goals has he got? 34, 36 now? Yeah. <laughs> Mad, it's just madness, isn't it? 36 he's goals. More, I think he's averaging There's 38 like, games in a season. Yeah. He's averaging, averaging a goal like 0.72. Probably a bit more than that, 0.8, like, isn't it? Something like that, yeah. 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 Just madness. But obviously he's in all our teams, so that uh, that makes it easy to pick yeah. a striker. Easy choice. So now it's about the wingers. It's about the wingers, but I've decided to play, as I mentioned earlier, two Usually, players yeah. up front and one in behind because I wanted to fit Erdegaard into the team. And my other striker choice was Harry Kane, but obviously he's a centre forward and not a wide player. So it makes me wonder, despite the fact he's got, what, 28 goals this season, mm. whether he's in either of your teams as well. No. No. Harry and Kane's it was a not di- in it your was team. A di- no, it was a very, very difficult one. Wow, okay. Um, my formation's a bit all over the place. But I know, we Ivan, know that. I've got Ivan Tony and Haaland together up top. And the reason I picked Ivan Tony is because... He even though a few you- quid. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Um, the reason why I picked him is, of course, he's had that case over him for a long time now. Yeah. And playing for Brentford... Coming from the championship, you know, where he scored mm. that 12 goals last season. Yeah, we're talking about this 20. season. No, and then, yeah, and then, oh, I mean, 20, 20 goals this season, let's yeah, not yeah, forget. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He's, yeah. He, he can, he's shown consistency. And the fact that he's in a Brentford side as well, I think it's just showed a massive amount of mental strength. The fact that he's dominated teams like Manchester City when they played them and some of the really top sides. I think for me, he's gone on, gone on the radar slightly just because Harry Kane's his output's a little bit better. Um, but I think, yeah, there's a really strong argument for Tony. Okay, I've gone for Kane. Joel's gone for Tony. You're going to say Callum Wilson, aren't you? No, because I've I've actually played a a proper formation. You two have gone rogue and started putting strikers everywhere. Uh, So I've gone left wing Marcus Rashford. Yeah, he's had a great season. Yeah, he's in mind He's been been brilliant. Okay, so you've Um, both got Rashford then. Okay, well, Rashford's out on the left wing. And, you know, the question is... Who's going to score the goals if Marcus Rashford isn't? They found a way through Garnacho and Anthony and a few other players have chipped in here and there. But in terms of what they've done going forward this season, if it hasn't been for Marcus Rashford, Marley, I think Manchester United would be in a far worse position. Yeah, he. Um, there was that period between sort of 
after the the World Cup and all the way up to sort of March, he was scoring in like every game. He was a top scorer in Europe at one point. Was after he? the World Cup? Everyone forgets because yeah. of his injury. Mm. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, again, Man United have dropped off slightly since since he uh, he got uh, he got that injury. Um, I do wish he, he'd got that injury just before the Carabao Cup final, to be honest. But obviously, we got him in in full flow, and you know some of the things he did in that final were, were just daft. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he goes in for that for that reason. I think he's there's no left winger that's near him, in my opinion. No, he's um, had an amazing this season. season. Martinelli's been really good, but Rashford has been just something else. So he's in for me. The only problem is you've both agreed on Rashford, but we've got Martinez and Shaw in the side, which means we can't have more than two players from one club. So one of them is going to have to leave the, the side. We'll come back to that in a second, because is there anyone else you want to throw in in terms of forwards? Right winger, maybe? Struggling. So my, now, aren't so we? People struggling. listening to so this are going to be screaming Mo Salah, and I know it, but you can't just... Have you gone Tony Haaland and Rashford then? Look at my formation. It's like a four-two-two-two. All right, so Joel's holding up a piece of paper with the formation on there. It's quite simply not a formation. It's a four-two-two-two. Right. Okay. Right. So this is the side we've got so far. You've basically got Tony behind Haaland, which is absolutely bizarre. But never mind. I'll put him next to him. We've got Nick Pope. Well, you should have done that on your paper. Go on. I'm got the old. Carry on. We've got Pope, Trippier, Saliba, Martinez, and Shaw. Kevin De Bruyne and Erdegaard and Erling Haaland up front. That is eight players. Marcus Rashford would be out on the left wing, who you've both agreed on, but you can't have Lisandro Martinez and Luke Shaw and Marcus Rashford because that would make it three players from Manchester United, which would be breaking the rules. So we're either going to have to take out one of Martinez or Shaw, and maybe mm-hmm. that's where you put Lewis Dunk in. Dunk or Estupinian? I think maybe. Dunk's been probably a little bit more... Okay, so we're taking Martinez out no, for Lewis whoa, Dunk. whoa, 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 whoa. He's Shaw's, missed the last Shaw's two been, months of the Shaw's season with injury. Better. Who's been better, Shaw or Martinez? Shaw's been fit all season, so you've got to you put Shaw in. You know what, I'm going to put Shaw in. I think he's been super underrated this season. Shaw at left. Shaw okay, in. so Dunk's going in so then. So Dunk comes in. So yeah. we've changed our defence. Pope, right. Trippier, Saliba, Dunk and Shaw. Kevin De Bruyne and Erdegaard in the midfield. That puts Marcus Rashford on the left wing. Erling Haaland through the centre. We need now a right winger and a mm. final central midfielder and we are done. Yeah. So who's playing right wing? Did any of you choose a right winger? So, as the only person who's chosen right winger in the room, <laughs> well, I chose Harry Kane because I wanted two. I don't think he plays on the Kane. right wing. <laughs> no, exactly. And do you know what? My right winger doesn't actually predominantly play on the right wing, but I've seen him pop up there. Who? Kaoru Matoma. He normally plays left midfield. Do you think he's in place of McAllister? He's been so impressive. He's been good. Matoma. He he's been, been so good. impressive. But I watched a couple I, of I was games, gonna... and he frustrates me because I don't want to call him lightweight, but. He, he throws himself about a bit, and I don't like it. I know it's a big thing to accuse of a player. He was like, I was going to pick Saka, but in the box, I, like the Arsenal thing. in the box, winning penalties, taking people on, he's unbelievable. Mm. But I do think that sometimes he takes the easy option, which is to fall over rather than to try and actually get an assist or score a goal. I thought that about Eze as well, but never mind. Who All else? right, well, Marley's Who gone else? for Mitoma, so that there's Unless a, a we suggestion the at least to a four-three-one-two. Mm. Two strikers, one attacking mid. Or you just get Harry Kane in the bloody team. What's, what's your affinity with Harry Kane? Because well, it's to be Spurs, fair. and then you don't have to worry about picking someone else from another club because you've already got two players. Tottenham don't have anyone else. 
Oh, boy, Ivan Tony's just sat there on the wing. No, well, we can have Ivan Tony on the wing if you want. <laughs> nah, in the Why don't we just play four to be, strike? To be fair, Joel's onto something there. If we do play four three one two, then we don't have to pick a right winger. We can pick a second centre forward and we can argue whether that's Rashford or Kane. Wait, so let, let's do the midfielder. Who's going to be next to De Bruyne, Odegaard? Well, my choice was Casemiro, but can't have him. So who was yours, Marley? Mine was Palinia as the de- as the defensive. And yours was mid. Alexis McAllister. Alexis McAllister. Which means that that would be our quota of two Brighton players with Duncan McAllister. I'd I'd swing towards McAllister personally. So would I actually. Okay. Because because we can't pick like I would pick Bruno, but we've got two Newcastle players. Yeah, I, think, I would also yeah, I pick Botman at centre back. But we've got two. Okay, we're all in. So that's our midfield. Our back four is Trippier, Saliba. Duncan Shaw with Nick Pope in goal, Kevin De Bruyne, McAllister and Erdegaard, our central midfield. Rashford on the left wing, Erling Haaland through the centre and then... We probably need, yes, we need a right winger or an attacking midfielder. Or you just play a front three of Kane, Haaland and Rashford. <laughs> I think we're going to have to put Kane oh, in because he's not letting this one go. No, no, no. He, he has had an, I mean, where would, yeah, it's not like he's been crap, by yeah, the way. I mean, it's it's where, would, where would Spurs be without Kane? Yeah, they'd be battling for they'd be relegation, 11th, probably. 12th, but Christ. I think the argument is exactly what you said, Marley. There's not really many other right wingers you can think of. I mean, Salah's had, Salah's a, had a, a good year, season. But, can't but if, that's the thing. If Salah had had his best season, Liverpool would be in the Champions League spot by now. And he was he went very quiet the first half of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't put him in for that. So yeah, I think it. I think it would be. I Kane. mean, if it's between Kane and Matoma, for example, I think you got to put Kane in, haven't you? Yeah, put put Kane in the number ten role. It's just the fact that Tottenham is so bad that everyone's forgetting that Kane has been the one who's propped their club up. Yeah, yeah. I think so. that's a great shout. Harry Kane, he can play that deeper role. We've seen him do yeah, it. Yeah, he yeah. drops deep, collects the ball. Yeah. All we'll right, I think we've decided our team, lads. I think we got there in the end. <laughs> so go on, the final after a flying what is start, <laughs> after a flying start, here is Football Social Daily FC. For the 2022-23 Premier League season, the rules are you can only have two players from any one club, and this is what we've gone for. Nick Pope in goal, Kieran Trippier, Saliba, Dunk and Shaw as a back four, a midfield three of Kevin De Bruyne, McAllister and Martin Erdegaard, and a forward trio of Harry Kane and Marcus Rashford with Erling Haaland up front. Strong. No one's beating that really. That midfield is pretty tasty as well. (laughs) I'm glad we managed to agree because I've written it down here unanimously on Pope, Trippier, Saliba, De Bruyne, Erdegaard, eventually McAllister, eventually Kane and Erling Haaland. So that's that eight eight players out of the 11 we've all unanimously agreed on have had the best season. I think this season though has been a little bit more straightforward with the better players. They've been a, there's been like that top, top tier of, but then there's not really been negotiation between some of them I think anyway I'll tell you what we'll put that in our telegram group so go and join the telegram group if you're in it already go and check it out we'll put that team of the season that we've selected in there we'll also probably put it on social media as well and it will be debated I'm sure long into the rest of the week but the final day of the Premier League season will be upon us on Sunday where we'll find out who will join Southampton in the championship next season will it be Leicester will it be Leeds will it be Everton we will find out then so join us tomorrow as we look ahead to those matches but from us today on Football Social Daily. That is it, and we'll speak to you next time. Football Social Daily is a voice works sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.